Welcome, everybody, to The Map, Mental Health and Addiction Podcast. I am Kimberly Walsh, and alongside me is the incomparable <laughs> Kristen Perry Long, whose name sounds like a movie star, and our wonderful, most handsome, oh. most amazing producer of all time. Careful, he's going to fall over. <laughs> Andy Bernstein. We needed to build him back up. Thank, thanks, Kimberly. I know you guys have been harassing me. Harassing him all harassing. morning. Harassing. It's because we love you. I, know. I love you too Aww. with my skunk microphone. Uh-huh. And his my eyes dog. are watering. <laughs> okay, we got a great show for you guys today. Um, I will now turn it over to Andy to get us started. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, so interestingly, um, I wanted to talk about this. Our boy, Ben Affleck, he's not really our boy, but he Go has. way back. Way back. He just came out with a new movie called The Way Back. Ackley, the Way Back. And uh, it's in theaters now. And it's basically a story about he uh, played basketball. He had a life filled with promise. And he got a full ride um, for a scholarship. And his whole life unraveled. And he ended up getting hired back at the school who hired him. Mm-hmm. Who, who, where he played his okay. alma mater okay. in high school. And so he, he struggled with um, alcoholism and uh, his marriage. And so he's rebuilt his life and okay. coached a k- bunch of kids in the inner city. Okay. Is my understanding. All right. Right. What? He w- he lost his wife. In marriage. His marriage. He lost his wife. Yeah, she died. Okay. That was the, the tra- traumatic experience. I did not know that. Because I didn't see the movie. No, I'm just reading it right okay. here because I had never heard of it. Okay. So, but here's the question, right? And I'm a big believer in this, is that the media can shape social norms. They can do it for good. They can do it for bad. Well, right? isn't that the truth? So, and Ben Affleck is in recovery from alcoholism. So he's doing a movie now about his, you know, with somebody struggling with alcoholism, right. right? So my question is, do you think... That we need more programming like that from an area of prevention. Now, you had a, a differing point about recovery. So I'll turn it over to you, you would and be get Chris. your take. <laughs> Kristen Hi, Perry this Long. is you. Um, well, I mean, I think that these kinds of movies are good. They're, they're eye-opening. Um, they're real to an extent. I think they're also they're kind of fantasy. Because they always end up okay, um, you know. Not everybody has the money and the means, and yeah, he struggles to come back. But it's a movie; it's ninety minutes, and you know how can you portray the battle back in ninety minutes? Like honestly, it's it's just these these movies kind of aggravate me because having lived it as a parent, it wasn't ninety minutes; it was nine, ten years. Um, we were talking earlier about uh, the movie Ben is Back. Uh, with Julia Roberts, and that is a great depiction of um, the real the, the real reality. struggle yeah. as a parent and the conflict. You know, she, they touched on the conflict in the family. They touched on how basically she stopped her life to go out and save her son. And um, if you haven't seen it, it's a good movie. It's a very good movie to see because I'm not going to give any more of it away. Um, it that's that's the real okay you know version of it i haven't seen this so i can't truly speak of it um but i, I think just, it's well, important he, just to even 
have the dialogue, right? right. Just even reality. being out Here's there. The go ahead. The, I didn't call on you yet, make... but, go, but go ahead. I'm speaking go ahead, you, term. you. All right. <laughs> the other you. Um, no, but the reality is that it has to sell tickets. At the end of the day, it's a movie, mm-hmm. and it's on the big screen, and if it doesn't have a fluffy, happy ending, eh, you know, people want to feel good. They want to feel like there's, a, there's something that they, can, that, that they will triumph, that it will be okay, that everything will be okay, and that's not always the case. So yet, while it's good because it does raise awareness of the pain and the struggle that happens in real life in people's families, they fall apart, they do, but they don't all get picked back up. And it may give, I don't know. I, I can push back on this. Push back. Will you, will you let me push back? So there's, uh, okay. So there's, <laughs> ding, um, ding. there's, um, video games like Grand Theft Auto or there's, you know, different video games where people just let me go with this. Okay. Uh, and listening. there's people, you know, you see gun violence, right? So now people see that gun violence and it shapes the behavior. The media is so powerful. Right? It's such a powerful thing. You have such a responsibility. Or bad, right? So to me, anything that broaches the subject is important. Now, maybe not for the people in recovery, right? right? But for 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 prevention, if you're watching a movie and you sit there and look at it and say, you know what? Wow, I don't want to go down that road. Stop provoking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Does it invoke thought? Absolutely. But yeah. what does Grand Theft Auto have to do with it? Because I'm just saying there's games out there where they're shooting and things like that. And a lot of times, you know, kids or people, you know, see murder on TV like yeah. it's nothing. Nothing. They become desensitized. Yeah, desensitized. Right. right. Yeah. 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 Like that's the social norms or like, you know, okay, beauty. Okay, so you're saying by uh, yeah. virtue of putting the movie out there that people get more aware and, yeah. and they can understand that this is the norm? Yeah. Okay. Right. More of the the the... You know, it, you know, talking about selling tickets, it could be, you know, the trauma and the tragedy, right? That would sell tickets too. But do we need to see that, right? Can't we have more positive or stories of redemption without... I see right. where you're going. I see right. Going. Like, yeah. Well, so like last week we talked about the pharmacist. Right. Right. And that was a real true story. Right. And I got so much out of that that I had heard about that I really didn't take the time to research... Um, about big pharma, about like how in this little community I had never knew even existed, this is what they were faced with. And they got on the map because somebody stood up and, you know, they saw something and they said something. Right. It's like that, yeah, the map. Uh, see something, right. say something. And he had the courage after the loss of his son to stand up and do the work. And I mean, yes, it's not the norm. Like I could never see myself doing what he did, but he empowered me to dig deeper into what really is involved with the big pharma. What's really involved with, you know, our pharmacists are our pharmacists really working for the better of us right now. There's a huge conflict going on on Facebook. Surprise, surprise uh, about a particular pharmacy that is not all that brand of pharmacy, but a particular pharmacy in a particular town that has a very big recovery community, and they're making it difficult for people to get Narcan. And yeah, it's it's no, and 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 people are like they don't understand, and they're just you know uh, one person who is a huge advocate and a great person um, went in to this particular pharmacy, and they said you know. It doesn't need to be readily available. They need to learn just how to stop using, and if they die, they die. Oh, like yeah. that's what this person, this particular, and of course, 
it's out on Facebook and it's getting shared and it's going to get, it's going to, it's going to be brought to people's attention. A media. Yeah. Again, it's Again. Media. media. Exactly. So, media. so at the end of the day, so yes, an answer, I think an answer to your question, Andy, it absolutely is imperative that, that the media take hold of this recovery movement and understand what's happening. And prevention. And prevention. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Prevention. Anything, anything that can educate and make aware. Same with mental health. It, if they can grab hold of this and make it a norm and make it like, hey, one out of five, one out of five of us has a mental illness. Right. Let's. Hey, this is normal. This is not, does not mean they're they're crazy. Oh, five. five. <laughs> not, we haven't introduced him yet, but we'll. we'll um, the the other thing I was going to say is is that um, I interviewed a um, Hollywood director mm. right a couple years uh, about a year ago, not even a year ago, September, and he's a comedic director i mean his movies are you know really funny he lost a child to a heroin overdose and i asked him i said have you decided to do any kind of movies or anything like that around addiction and he told me he said obviously you haven't seen my my show because i actually do one and i said oh he goes it's on direct tv so you probably haven't seen it and i said well i'm jewish and i have a I have a uh, satellite. Hold on, I'm going to tell you where I'm going with this. It was very witty. I have a satellite dish on my house that I don't use because I would have to get up on the roof and shake the snow out, and I'm not doing that. I said Jews don't get on the roof. I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. What about fiddler on the roof? That's what he said. That's what. He, that's exactly what he said. It was hilarious, but okay. but we, he we digress. He, but he ba- that's exactly what I said. But he basically. What he said is is that well the, the the show is called Louder Milk, and it's about uh, Ron Livingston from Office Space is actually the host of it, and he runs AA meetings. He used to be a writer for Rolling Stone magazine, went into uh, recovery and runs AA meetings, and he's horrible. He's so, but it's a comedy. But the point is, here's somebody who lost his son. He uses his life's lessons, life's lessons right, right. to tell a story right. through his sure. thing. And that's sure. really what media does is telling a story. So I think that it could be very detrimental to people if they don't, if the media using media the right way. I agree. Right. I agree. Right. So, I agree so that. that was my point. No. And it's a very good point. Well taken. All right. Shall we take a short break? We are going to take a break and we're right. going to come back with our friend, Brian McDonald. We'll be right back on the map. talking to Chris Long. Chris, tell us about yourself. Some of the things that I do, I advocate for treatment. I advocate in courts to keep people out of jail. I'm making sure that they're getting what they need to be most successful. And then the other big component of it is the family side of it. And where can people find you? Call my cell phone, 508-212-7206, or I'm on Zero Boundaries, Chris Perry Long on Facebook, stakes are high. You're ubiquitous. You're everywhere. I am everywhere. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to The Map, Mental Health and Addiction Podcast. I'm still Kimberly Walsh with (laughs) my famous friend, Kristen Perry Long and Andy Bernstein. Whoop, whoop. We are going to um, introduce to you today a very special guest. I'm going to let Chris do the honors. All righty. We'd like to uh, introduce a young man by the name of Brian McDonald, who grew up in Hanover, uh, Mass, graduated in 2006, was a Boston Globe All-Scholastic in cross-country. So you were like kind of like Forrest Grump. 
Run. Yeah. Um, run, run a, Brian, run. Uh, received a full scholarship to, I never can say it right. Loyola. Yeah. Uh, Marymount University in Los Angeles, California, for cross-country and track. Graduated in 2010 with a bachelor's in business administration. Worked in inside sales uh, and account management <clears throat> until early 2017, where he left his job to seek treatment for opiate addiction and depression. Now clean from drugs, working as a server in a restaurant and pursuing an acting career. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, we're looking forward to hearing what you got to share and a little bit about your story. And of course, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up a, a suburban kid, Hanover, born and raised, um, Irish Catholic family. Great childhood. I want to make that clear. Um, loving family, loving parents. Um, I uh, attended Hanover High School. Uh, the cross-country thing is kind of funny. I, I started running to get uh, ready for basketball. I was going to play in the NBA. Shocking that didn't work out. <laughs> and, uh, and it sort of just took on a life of its own, you know, and I, and I ended up going to college. My freshman year, I actually spent it at Brandeis University in Waltham. Oh, okay. And uh, I transferred because I had a friend in California, and it sounded nice. Was it weather a girl? Was warm and weather. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing about the addict mind. I <clears> transferred, <throat> then transferred back that summer, then transferred back again. Grass is always greener. Uh, I yes. yes. find yes. happiness. Yes. Of course. Um, geographical cure. Geographical <laughs> cure. And, right. and so I'll get into the, the opiate problem, which was what, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what definitely <clears throat> brought me down. But I'll be honest with you. I probably I, I wasn't a great drinker early as a kid. I ended up in the hospital. My freshman year, I think two months into college for um, alcohol poisoning. Oh, wow. Got the, uh, the black, what's it called? The charcoal thing they give you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 charcoal. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and, but, you know. With a big garden hose down your throat into your stomach. That you know, was so much fun. And I, I don't want to, you know, I think family and everybody just wanted to say, you know what, it's a college, it's a freshman thing. Sure. You made a mistake. It's and accepted. He's Irish Catholic, for Christ's sake. Yeah. He's supposed to drink. Well, and here's what happened was <laughs> right. because <clears throat> right. I was so successful at the running and a decent student, I wasn't great, was that it was like, well, if he's doing these things, things surely must be okay because mm -hmm, yeah. he's getting a scholarship and yeah, it um, looks great on the outside. But really, I was running so much and and trying to do well in that to cover up this like emptiness I had inside yeah, me. Yeah, so sure. I think that was always there. It didn't manifest itself that much in college. I mean, there was drinking problems for sure, but I wasn't missing practice, missing class, right. things like that. You held it together. Um, I was first introduced to opiates my junior year in college. I had a toothache. I was in uh, California, so I didn't have a dentist. I needed to get a root canal, whatever. You sure. know. And uh, the guy gave me 60 Vicodin. I went through them in about five or six days, and then oh, he gave me wow. 60 more. A little excessive, I would say, yeah? <clears throat> Definitely. And to be honest with you, I was so naive in college. Like, I, I remember I was at a party, and kids were doing cocaine once. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know how you did it. And, mm -hmm. and this is, I, so I, I didn't know anything about opiates. Wait, what year did you graduate from Hanover? 2006. Where was D.A.R.E.? Uh, oh, it was there. I did it when I was 10. I have another issue with D.A.R.E. I think we do that a little too young. Yeah. I don't think a nine or 10 year old right. knows anything about yeah. drugs. Huh? Or really. I mean, it's good to talk about, but I would, I would say maybe more at the high school college age. Cause I went to college and never thought I'd see cocaine. And in LA, it was at every party. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I had a little bit of, even issue. in the, even <clears throat> when you were there, like, you know, I hear stories about the eighties, you know, that cocaine was there all the time, oh, but, was, but even it's a little then, before his time. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was still prevalent oh, when, very when you were out in L. Okay. Very, very much so. Okay. Very much so. Um, not with the cross-country runners, typically. I, you know, but I hung out with a different crowd. And uh, I, I still did really well at running, which is the shocking part. I, I hung on. Like, the, the opiate uh, exposure that I had, you know, people told me you can have fun with these pills. And I had my experience, and I put them away. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to blame it all on that. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, did, you do- did you dentist shop? Did you go to different dentists? No, no, not okay. at that time. It just so, planted a seed that was like, I can have fun with this drug. Okay. That this All is right. something that's... So you were dabbling. Dabbling at that mm-hmm. time. All right. So um, graduated college, moved home, couldn't afford LA. I, you know, it was tough, whatever. Yeah. End up uh, getting a job um, at uh, a company, and I won't mention the company. It was in Quincy. It was an office job, a cubicle job. Okay. And... Uh, I sit next to this kid and he tells me, uh, you know, he starts mentioning he has addiction problems and I'm like entertaining the conversation and he starts to tell me he takes Percocets, 30 milligram oxycodone at work. And I come to find out all these kids in the office are doing these things, abusing these drugs. So I start taking them and it's like a superpower. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I'm an amazing employee. I'm not depressed. I'm not anxious. I can deal with this cubicle job. It fit in. Fit in. um, You know, no problems with women. I mean, it was like, I thought, I was like, this is a super drug. And I knew. And he is, loved your job at that point. Yeah, and this <laughs> right. is 2012. I'm getting paid right? This is a great right. job. It's 2012. <laughs> like, I'm not, I, I'm not ignorant to what's going on. And the opioid epidemic is in full swing at this sure, point. Sure, sure. But yeah. I'm still thinking like, well, I, you know, I was able to manage the alcohol thing. I dabbled in the cocaine and put yeah, that away. yeah. Um, this took a hold of me like nothing else. But in the beginning, you know, employee of the week, employee of the month, promoted, $10,000 a year raise. Like I was doing great because... Because you were Superman. Well, it's a (laughs) painkiller. I wasn't in physical pain, but I was in... You were high. Let me ask you a question. Going back to the dentist, when he prescribed it for you, how long did it take for you to become addicted well, so I, at that time, I don't think I got the, the yeah, physical hook. Right? Okay. Right. It was more okay. like I was playing around with them. And, okay. And uh, it, it was really irresponsible prescribing, for sure. Well, 6% of the population, what I understand, if uh, can get addicted to opioids if they take it longer than a week is what it's 30% after 30 days. If you do it it's 30%. Day. Yeah. 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 It's, but, yeah, it it's something crazy. It, <clears throat> it all goes back to your, your, chemical imbalances in right. your body so what so, happened next yeah. yeah so so it's it the physical there's a thing with the physical hook and the real addict too but it, it's that take you can go on and on for that we i got physically addicted and i would notice like i'd feel a little sore in the morning like the physical pain from the opioid um from the 30s abuse wasn't that bad in the beginning but sooner or later it's 30 dollars a pill that adds up and that's $30. Then you get to $60, $90 a day. Before I know, I'm spending my entire paycheck. Then I move out of, I was living in Brighton at this time. Okay. Had to move back home to Hanover, Massachusetts with my parents. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, well, this makes sense. And now I can spend all my money on drugs. Right. Like, that's, that's cra- the attic brain. That's crazy yeah. thinking. And what, like, where were your parents at this point? Did they have any idea what was going on? Do you have any siblings? I do. I have an older sister. She's very successful, not, not an addict or anything. But she's five years older. She was in, living in D.C. at the time, so it was just okay. me. And I just played it. I mean, addicts are amazing liars. Oh, I'm yeah. an actor and an addict. I yeah, can lie my way. Yeah, it, Manipulation is your middle name. Oh, yeah. my God. It's a, that's how I learned. <laughs> sure. So I understand. They, 
I, I was like, well, I'm trying to save money. I want, you know, I want to buy something. And they're like, okay, well, he's doing well at work. Right. Again, these outside things, not looking at, like, right. this kid is miserable. You're functioning. His friends aren't around as much. He's hanging out with different people. Girlfriend, you know, went away. So I moved home, and uh, it went on for a while until, okay, so this is a really common thing with opiates pills. You can't afford them anymore. I had to move on heroin. Right. Oh, okay, yeah. were you were you shooting heroin or were not you? in the beginning, but eventually, okay. yeah. Did you were people in the office also uh, Did they progressing? On? Uh, one for sure. I, I mean, I can't tell. I, I one absolutely, and me and him were in and out of rehab. Uh, you know. Wow. Did yeah. you guys introduce each to each other? Did you say you know like, hey, I'm doing this now, and it's so much better. You know, than it's that? weird. I I blamed him for so long oh. for introducing me to pills, and I introduced him to heroin. So mm. really, who's we were right. two sick people right. that, right. Were, right. that were going there down. There's no blame, really. There's right. no blame. Yeah. We were both matter. going down yeah. a path, right. and we were you know tornadoes, and we we were just um, you know it's funny actually. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I mentioned like that I was into acting. Now I did a short film recently. And the whole story of the short, short film was a kid, um, two kids going to buy pills and one steals the other kid's money and doesn't come back. Oh, my God. And that happens so many times in addiction. But I was talking Ugh. with the director who also had an opiate problem where, like, you, you know, you blame these people, but you do the same thing. Of course you would. Mm-hmm. Right. You do the same thing. Well, so, yeah. Um, so what happened was my mother found a needle in my trunk one day during a snowstorm. Okay. And you're like, it wasn't mine? No, I, to be honest with you, I, I was so lazy. I wouldn't help my parents, like 60-year-old parents, shovel the driveway because I'm upstairs dope sick because it's a snowstorm, which is an uh, opiate addict's worst nightmare. Right. Um, and she came in and saw it. I think at that point, I mean, I looked like I looked bad. I didn't look well. And um, I just did, admitted it to her. And I was like, you know, I, I told her the whole truth right there. My sister happened to be at the home, home at the time. She was crying and all four. It was a really tough day. But um, what was the response like? Uh, my dad seemed like he knew my mother was, you know, there, they process things differently, but yeah, but immediately (laughs) it wasn't, it wasn't, let's kick him out of the house. It was, let's get help. They wrapped themselves around you. To be honest, they've always been like, yeah, have there been times where they kicked me out for a couple nights? For sure. But, um, they were always, my dad sent me a letter my first time in treatment. It said for better or worse, I'm in this with you till the end. And that's what I would say to parents. Like it. It really meant a lot. You know yeah. what I mean? They've always been there, and um, it's tough what you do to families. I mean, you mentioned that movie, Ben is Back. That's really the mother's perspective of dealing mm-hmm. with this. Um, at its darkest moment, uh, overdosed in uh, upstairs bathroom in my house okay. with the door locked. And my Ugh. mother, Ugh. mother's intuition, I, I had a little bit of clean time at the time, a couple months maybe. Sure. And she's like, something's up with them. Something's up with them. And then she came up to the bathroom. There's no reason. You know, I could be in the shower or whatever. She's knocking on the door. I guess I didn't respond. The door is locked. Oh, my God. She took a hammer, smashed through the door. I still have a picture of it on my phone. Put her hand through, unlocked it, came in. So she, beast, she beast saved mode. you. Hit me with Wait. Narcan twice. But she had it in the house. Yes. Of course. Okay. And, of course. And then. Um, at, this, at this point, hold on for a second. At this point, one of the, Hanover was a very proactive town. <clears throat> they were a very, um, they hid behind the stigmatism. But they were a very proactive town. And so I'm sure your mom was doing her homework. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, Narcan. Good for so her, good. Yeah. right? So what I happened? Know. I'm dying I mean, to know what happened. Yeah, so um, she got. Yeah, she went to learn, learn all those different learn groups. I don't even yeah. know all the ones she went to, to be honest with you. A mm-hmm. lot of it I'm still finding out now. Um, so, yeah, she, two, two Narcans, which at the time, 
I'll get back to the police came and hit me with the third one. And that was, I came back a little bit. I was like functional, but the police came, um, you know, and they gave me the third. And this is the whole time as an opiate addict hating the police. Oh yeah. These are my worst enemy. What are you doing? And a cop helped save my life. So, um, (laughs) but what I will say about the first two Narcans, they helped. It got me awake. They were expired. So if you have some in the house, keep them fresh or whatever, you know, Yep. So um, she didn't know that. She just grabbed whatever sure, box she yeah, found. Of but um, I think it's important to, uh, you know, to buy that. But, the expiration um, is really important. Like, especially if, you, if you're carrying it around in your car and it's going box. through seasons and seasons yeah. and seasons, it. It, the shelf life will, <clears throat> excuse me, expire sooner than if it's just in a home where the temperature is pretty much Very true. normal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when somebody's overdosed, it's the sternum rub. It's a couple slaps in the face. It's nine one one and Narcan, and then you tell them it, the other one too is if you, before you night you say I'm going to Narcan you, and and that will get <laughs> they'll get them to come around because they don't want to oh, get dope sick. Right. Oh, right. if if I yeah, I mean at the time I didn't have a physical habit, which is another cause of a lot of overdoses. I think right, is right. that clean time when people yeah, unfortunately, um, which is why I think residential treatment, mm-hmm. um, sober living community things like that can be helpful. Absolutely. Um, that was the result of there's so many times like moving home too quickly, as I would say. And, uh, and, and the anxiety just came back. It was like, I felt dope sick just being home too soon. It was crazy. Right. But so eventually I, 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 yeah, I went, I, I, you know, went off to treatment, um, went a few times. I'm not going to pick one over the other. It wasn't the treatment that necessarily failed. I wasn't ready yet. Sure. Um, how old were you? Got clean, uh, 28, 28, 29. So I'm 31 now. So 2017, 20, 29 at the time. Right. So it's, uh, it, uh, yeah, so I, I did 12 step recovery. I don't want to mention the program. They meant to ask us not to, you know, sure. use the actual. So, um, but another thing that I did use as an opiate addict, I did Vivitrol, mm. uh, for a year. Did that you, help? Very much for me. Good. I don't think it's something that you should do without, like, you know, just get clean for two weeks and then give someone a Vivitrol shot. No. Right. You know that's that another that's right. that's with an extended release naltrexone. It's an opiate block. Okay. Right. So it just blocks you from getting high. Right. right. It's a shot that you get once a month that lasts for about 30 days. Right. Okay. Um, but it was just but, a, the, but the big thing is with Vivitrol and with all the MAT substances, you can use other drugs. Certainly. You know, so you can use cocaine. You can use other drugs. It's an opiate blocker. So it, all it does is it covers the receptors in your brain. Um, some <clears throat> people react to them differently. Vivitrol does one thing. Suboxone helps more with cravings than with Vivitrol, but everybody's different. So Vivitrol might right. work you know, better for one person, and Sublicate or Suboxone might work better for somebody else. Right. Um, the difference is Vivitrol is a shot. Sublicate is a shot once a month. Suboxone is something that you have to take once or twice a day. So, okay. So so where are we so where are we now we want to uh, Well let me let me ask Go let ahead me, let me chime in Okay Yeah um it's like the debate this is like the political debate I'm going to jump in jump right in, now All jump right. in um, keep, I have the floor right, no here's a quick question so what was your defining moment where you decided that you had enough Ooh, good question. That is a good question. I mean, overdosing on the floor. So no amount of negative consequences really ever was enough on its own. I mean, I, like we mentioned how I grew up nice and everything. Being arrested twice um, wasn't enough. Probation. I, <laughs> no, I, drug I, court? I, I, I use, not official drug court, but I, I used on probation out of Lawrence, and I was like, 
whatever, like, I'll just deal with it. And they threw me right in jail. Like, I, right. it's just no think. And I'm like, I'm calling my it's dad. I'm like, why am I in brain. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, it's probation. That's what they do. I'm like, but it's pre you know. So didn't matter. You justify. Yeah, I was just, I <clears throat> truly wanted it out of my life. I was defeated. And I was like, I have zero power over this. I okay. surrendered as When this. was that? Right. Uh, 2017, 2017, October. Okay. So I went to treatment, though. I went to, you know, I wasn't, I didn't, I think opiate addiction especially is really, really hard to do without residential treatment. And I think it's really tough that I know, I was lucky enough my parents paid for treatment. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't, I don't know the answer if, if, it's, if it's difficult to afford. It's much more difficult. Right. I, just getting away from it is my point. For 30, 60, 90 days was really helpful. Um, I did 12-step recovery. I, uh, I, I wrote inventory. I mean, there's a whole process, and I moved into sober living. I got a get well job. I, you know, tried to mend relationships. I mean, it's a long process. I thought early on, if I ever get to a year, I mean, that's it. That's like, that seems so much time to me. Right. And then you're in it, and you're like, wow, I still have a lot of work to do. Um, so do what, what people don't understand is like, you will do the steps for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, exactly. like people, a lot of people going into like early recovery and stuff, they think, oh, I'll do the steps and I'll be better. No, no, no. You do the steps for the rest of your life. This yes. is something that you have to wake up with every single day and say, today is a good day. Absolutely. You know, so and especially yeah, trying to hard. Help, help other people, like That's try to be ticket. present for something like this or, or whatever. I mean, I have, of course, I have a lot of friends who are still in it now. And this is what I struggle with. I think I mentioned to you yep. before is I'll see the lies getting fed to me of, oh, I need $40 yeah. for a copay. It's always $40. $40. The magic yeah, well, number. Why is that that's the magic number? That is it's the price, the bag. price of the bag. Yeah. Uh, there you go. See yeah. how naive I am? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like at least do 45 or yeah. something. You know. yeah. It's $48.75. I mean, a, a kid told me that. Plus taxes. Yeah. I need money for a, a bus to my uncle's funeral. I'm like, none of this makes sense. Oh. But it's just... And I see the position I put people in. So it's like, you know, you, you want to help others, but to a point. I'm not going to buy your lethal dose of heroin. Exactly. Right. Um, so, and it's tough because, um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit of a pushover sometimes. I, I well, you feel it. bad because feel you've been through it yourself. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, even seeing them suffer through the withdrawals brings right. back like a version of PTSD. Those are the worst. Yeah. I had to be hospitalized my last time from withdrawals because I couldn't eat or drink water for three days. And I, um, I had acute kidney failure. Um, I feel like we've met before. What? I seriously do. We could have. I mean, I've been to every meeting in the state and probably yeah. several of the detoxes. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, your story is like, but then again. What's life like now for you? So, yeah. So, <clears throat> one, um, I, I heard it on a, a, a podcast. I won't mention it. It's one of your, it's a very big podcast. Maybe one of your rivals. <laughs> But he, we uh, don't have any of those. <laughs> We're too small. <laughs> but they had this guy on, and he said, you know, the opposite of addiction is connection. So one thing that, that helped. I say that all the time. Yeah, one yep. thing that, that I never did when I got out of treatment, I always went back to the same old things. Um, and in, you ever hear that, that old um, experiment with the rat in the water and yes. the drug water? That's what, we've, I've watched that a million times. So this guy, uh, Bruce Alexander, he was a doctor. The he, guy, yeah. He introduced, like, other, he did another experiment with a bigger cage, added more rats and little things in the And plant. nobody wanted the heroin. And they didn't want the heroin water, the coke water, whatever it was. Right. So um, that, I think, is really interesting because it shows that... If the I, opposite it, of addiction. Yeah, if I, can, <laughs> if I can find some things to do with my life, yeah. you know, be around people. I isolated so much. I was so depressed that I needed to improve my life so I didn't need this pain medication. Right. Mental pain. So, you know, now what I do, um, I work. Um, I don't have the best job in the world. I work, uh, but I, I do 
there's no yeah well, it's shame, you know it's a job dignity you know all work the job was a the old job was a big driving force of my addiction and if it means sacrificing money and living at home a little bit longer and it so keeps me it. sober it's the number one important thing in my life Good. tomorrow um so I, you put yourself first yes yes that's I, hard yeah it is it is hard and, and especially when people are kind of like you know all right you're clean now let's let's get back to work let's move out but um that's things will come in time um i uh i discovered i had this love for acting i took an acting class um i had done it a little bit in college and and all of a sudden i'm you know i'm taking more classes i'm getting auditions and i started doing student films and i love it because it's an untainted activity like i haven't ever messed it up with drugs yet (laughs) i've never gone on an audition high Mm -hmm. or drunk or whatever, I haven't yeah. missed it. So it's it's cool. It's to fresh to you. It's fresh. It's fun. I'm around interesting people. A lot of people in recovery in the acting business um, mm-hmm. too, which doesn't matter. I mean, that's right. it makes just sense. A, yeah. So life is good for you today. Life is fantastic for me. Today. Uh, if you could sum it up, right, for somebody, for any parents out there or any um, kids, what would you suggest if you, from taking from your experiences? What could you it, it, someone in the middle of addiction. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, number one, <clears throat> nothing's going to happen until if you have that physical craving that that goes above like your survival instincts. Like that, you need to get that person in detox. They need to come off the drug safely because even if they're the strongest desire to get clean, Can't. if you're dope sick, forget it. Okay. So um, I recommend residential treatment of any kind. If you can't afford it, um, there is a thing in Massachusetts called Section 35. It's not the, it's not the greatest thing in the world. Oof. I did it. I did it. Uh, I know someone. Volunta- I voluntarily? Sent. Voluntarily, I did it. You How did many years vol- ago? Uh, wow. 2016. May 2016. Did you go to Matsy or did you I go went to Plymouth? To Matsy, so. All right. Matt, so Matsy. Yeah. I was going to say. So, no. so if the beds, men's addiction treatment center in Brockton, okay, it's like, it's like a, it's like a detox extended. It's part of high detox. point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not the greatest, but it's it, rough. It, it gets I've been there. Fun. It's gritty. I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. I did a thing there. Yeah. I don't love it. It's not where I got clean, but what I'm saying is it's, if you do go through with it, make sure this bed's open at Matsy because otherwise they send you to jail. It's not jail. It's well, Plymouth, Plymouth, and it's a jail setting. <laughs> yes. So we're going to have to take a break. Okay. Sure. Okay. Listen, thank you very much for coming on. Okay. Um, will you stick with us uh, as we go to our next segment? Yeah, sure. Okay. Awesome. We're going to be back. This is the map. Brady's Landing is a exclusive sober home for women located on the Cape. We're in Sandwich, right off the Sagamore Bridge, first exit. I built Brady's Landing to give an older female demographic a place to heal and get better and make the transition from treatment into the real world. It's a very peaceful environment. It's very serene. It's very private. You kind of follow a long driveway down. It opens up into two and a half acres of land. We overlook the water, so there's lots of opportunities to commune with nature at Brady's Landing. Dot org. Or you can also send an email to info at bradyslanding.org. Um, and you can call the number 774-338-4060. All right. Welcome back to the map. Uh, we're going to finish up here with our guest, Brian McDonald from Hanover. Thank you. So we were talking about, in the, during the break, you were talking about. Yeah, we're talking about sectioning, section 35s. And uh, it's, it's not meant for treatment it's meant to the way i explain it to families when i tell them to section their loved ones 
It's meant to stop the runaway train. Right. That's and that's why I'm glad that there's still another chance because I didn't want to. When it happened with me, it was like he might die tomorrow. Right. Let's get him off the street. Like, and, and what it is 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 you go to court and it the parents win it every time. I mean, because it's there's plenty of evidence, and the court basically mandates the addict to go to treatment for. Um, it's anywhere from 21 to 90 days. It's usually three or four weeks. It's yeah. usually not the 90 days. Right. Um, but uh, the overflow is uh, Plymouth House of Corrections. But it's sort of a last resort. But what I would say is it, it, get them into detox. If at all possible, I believe in residential treatment. 12-step recovery was a huge part of my life as well as, and this is like super important, sober living after the residential treatment. Um, for a minimum of three to six That's months. That's music to Kimberly's ears. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah. but because no, it's I, true. I yeah. die, I, I mean, technically I did die because you would Narcan, you're basically, you know, dead um, mm. from coming home too quickly. And I've relapsed too many times from coming home too quickly. I always thought, because you're like, I don't want to go to sober living for, you know, I want to go home, which is, it's understandable. Your Makes life sense. has been, you, you haven't had a life for however long you've been, right. a, you want to get back to it. And right. now you're clean, you feel great. Um, you just need a little bit of extra support. You don't realize what it's like going home afterwards. And to be honest with you, sober living really isn't that bad. Because if you really want to get clean, I mean, what was my curfew? 11 and midnight? I mean, I'm not even out that late now, and I have plenty, all the freedom I want. Um, And that thing we were talking about, connection, it's hard when you go home because... Okay, your addict friends, you certainly can't hang out with them. And then your normal friends are just, you know, either doing normal adult things. Those are my late 20s. They're all, you know, in relationships, drinking or, or doing their own yeah. thing. And you're kind of like, well, what do I do now? Right. And you're, you're all by yourself. And um, yeah, you're actually, isolated again. I just got invited last night to my buddy's wedding from treatment in North Carolina. And he's like, he invited like five of us from treatment. He's like, please come. You're my only friend. <laughs> and I was like, no, dude, like I don't, you know, you guys are all my friends too. It's right. now I have the acting community that I've make starting to make relationships in. Other than that, it's to pretty much all people from treatment. Right. Yeah. Um, it's so, your new, it's your, it's your new, this is your new normal. Yeah. It's your new normal. And I mean, you meet a lot of interesting people anyways, even the ones that I'm not that tight with. Uh, it's, uh, you can be in treatment for a day and a half and everyone's like, yep, we're on the same wavelength. Why doesn't everyone else in the outside world think like we do? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, um, so those, you know, nothing crazy. Detox, treatment, sober living. I don't think I'm saying anything like new, but um, and as far as medicine's concerned, Suboxone didn't work for me. I, I think for some people it might be the right solution. I don't want to be a doctor and tell right. people what to take yeah. with, you know, anxiety, um, anything like that. So... Vivitrol was very helpful to me. Okay. Um, there's no uh, withdrawal or anything like that. And also, like, see a therapist. I go to therapy twice a month. So you're working, you're working a lot of... Every you're doing a lot possible. of work. You're every doing a lot of work. Because I worked every day, to, uh, multiple times a day to get high. So right. it, you're, you're, you got to come at it with the same, same strength. Same zeal that you did if you don't, to get high. If you don't, it'll win every time. Yes. Well, thank yeah. you. Yes. Thank you for yeah, sharing you your so story. Much. It was really uh, cool of you to come on and... And talk and and talk to us about this because it's you know more stories like yours will help people. It does, and we'll watch for you on the big screen. Yeah, we will. <laughs> All right. So thanks to Brian McDonald. Of and um, what time is it? It's mailbag time. Mailbag time. All right. Wait a minute. I got to find the mailbag. I got to put my eyeballs on. Um. All right. Where is the mailbag? I think I'm missing that page. Nope. Here it is. All right, today's question, 
comes to us from Erica in Mansfield. Someone in my family is really struggling with mental health and addiction. They asked me to help help them to get help, and I have no idea where to begin. My question is, who do I reach out to to help start the process? I don't want to pursue through the Internet to find somebody. Peruse. Oh, peruse. What did I say? Pursue. Pursue. Right, peruse. <laughs> Um, through the internet to find somebody, but not sure what else to do. Any suggestions? All right. So, um, ton of suggestions, right? Ton of suggestions. Yeah. yeah. When they're willing, this is when you, you got to take hold. Um, there's all kinds of resources. There's all kinds of help you can get. You can start by calling Chris first yep. and foremost. Um, and she, her number's on, on the, the Facebook page and the website. You can call me. Um, uh, my number's also, uh, you can reach me at bradyslanding.org. I'm Kimberly. Chris, um, uh, you can call me, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> I, I might not. I mean, I'll do the best I can. Right. You can start with a local AA. You can get. You can find it on your own that way. There's yep. there's all kinds of ways. If you want to get help, we will put you in the right direction. Yep. You can also go to the SAMHSA SAMHSA website. Um, it gives you uh, support for yourself, and through support, you will learn. Um, the do's and the don'ts and the people to go to, like Learn to Cope. Learn to Cope is a great place to go where a lot of support is. Um, there are some really good Al-Anon meetings. Um, you can call your local detoxes, um, you know, and they'll also, uh, if you get a good receptionist, they'll give you some direction as well. Here's what not to do. Do not, for the whatever you do, do not just open the Internet and start clicking on ads from various, you know, treatment centers. Don't go that route. You'll get lost in um, in the insurance, and they're trying to, you know, one will try to pull you over here. They'll sell you this. They'll sell you that. It's a huge, very, very. Talk to somebody without an agenda. Exactly. exactly. Talk to an thir- unbiased third party. Right. Do not call those numbers on the Internet. You will only get worked over. Yeah. you'll Before you know it, they'll be sending a, a limo to pick they'll up your loved you. one, and you'll <laughs> yeah. have absolutely no idea where they're Florida going. Florida somewhere. And California, you, yeah, New Mexico, who knows? Call Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii has a free program. <laughs> you work in the pineapple right. fields. Well, good. That is our show for today. Thanks to Michael Weber, um, the executive director at Foxborough Cable Access. You have been listening and watching The, the Map. Map.